When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into another News for Jags podcast. I'm Jamal St. Cyr alongside Justin Barney and the 53-man roster is here. It's here. We finished training camp. We made it through preseason. The next time the Jaguars are on the field, it finally counts. It finally (laughs) counts. And, you know, we've kind of been looking at roster spots and, you know, singling out guys during camp who we thought maybe, you know, would hang on that roster. There were some guys I thought who played well in preseason and camp and, wound up not making that roster. We did have a couple undrafted guys stay on with the team and um, good to see. There's always good stories. You know, there's James Robinson, Diamond in the Rough stories. Uh, we saw a few of those today. Uh, there were some surprises for me though, but this, uh, I would say probably 51 of these guys, you're confident that the Jaguars are gonna go into battle with this season. I think there's probably a couple more spots of the 53 right now that still may be a bit um, not finalized, so to speak, after teams look at their uh, the activity around the leagues and, and reassess their roster and everything. So I do think Jacksonville is, is set at 99% of those positions. With two kickers on the roster right now, you know one of those guys one will eventually guys go. go right. um, and I think there are some spots on the roster that uh, are going to probably require a fill-in here or there. I don't know if you go into the season with just three running backs, especially with James Robinson's health having been an issue, Travis Etienne's health being an issue last year. Mm. Um, and I do think there's probably some depth on the defensive line uh, to address. And, you know, it, maybe an offensive line spot, a Will Richardson, I thought he was a guy that would be on that roster chopping block, uh, been injured throughout camp. Um, but right now, I, I think we know predominantly the 51 or so who are going to be on this roster come week one. Yeah, there'll be a little bit of shuffling. Uh, let's hit on a couple of the kind of bubble guys that have made the roster. Tim Jones used that big Falcons right. game to get him a roster spot. Huge uh, game for him. Then two undrafted free agents that we got. Uh, Texas, uh, tech, former Texas safety Josh Thompson, who got a shout-out from the special teams coordinator saying that he went to the office every day talking about special teams reps. And then uh, outside linebacker Norfolk State. Grad. Norfolk State. Good. Uh, Deshaun yeah. Dixon has made the roster. Those are your two undrafted free agents. Um, got the chance to talk with those guys in the locker room after practice. Uh, you know, the message that Doug Peterson sent to the team was that, you know, while everybody's saying congratulations on making the roster right now, really the work is just getting underway. I mean, <laughs> I, mean, I was just sitting there kind of antsy, you know, I mean, hoping for the best because, I mean, I can't control it coaches do so I mean I just like God do the rest. I mean wherever I'm put uh, just to go in and do everything that I can for special teams and like I said just having all the vets and everybody tell me just just know my role. And- so everybody's saying congratulations now this is just kind of like the first step for you. So- a lot of stuff you want to accomplish right? Oh yeah everybody says congrats but it's just the beginning. It feels really great um, like I said it's, it's grateful to be here and they gave me an opportunity and you know I went 100% every day you know draft or undraft it's like it just feels good to be on the team. Yeah and I'd still think if you're one of those guys, the Deshaun Dixon, uh, Jameer Jones, the guys that are in that maybe that 49 to 53 range on the roster, you're probably still not feeling good right now as you see the 
names of guys on the waiver wire and look at that roster and say, oh man, we're, we're a little bit leaner at this position and not at this position. And this guy has, has been released. And I do think there's a little, probably a little uncertainty right now. And I do think there's going to be um, a little bit more activity by the time this week is done. Um, I don't think we're going to have two kickers on the roster uh, come Friday. I do think there's going to be some movement still. So here's my take on the kicker thing. I think the, the, this is a, a game by Trent Baalke and the Jags. So everybody's making their cuts, and that means everybody's going to the waiver wire at the same time. If they hold Jake Verity, who I ultimately think is the guy who's lost this kicker battle, for a couple of days, just a couple of days, everybody's going to feel pretty good about where they're at. Their roster spots are going to, going to be full. And then so let's say Saturday, they say, you know what, Jake? Thanks, but no thanks. Going home. And they bring back Makai Sargent or somebody else that's on the street. They do that. The odds of Jake making it through waivers to their practice squad where they can once again protect him go up exponentially. Yeah. So fair. I ultimately think this is kind of like a game of chicken because the Jaguars were able to claim Verity off the waivers where they had the first priority. And we don't know what other teams put in waiver claims for him, but Trent Bulky does. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, he has an idea of what teams might be interested in Jake, and he wants to make sure that just in case James McCourt doesn't work out, we got a backup plan over here. <laughs> because, I mean, Verity's well thought of around the NFL. The Ravens had to protect him a few times last season. There was reason to believe that he was going to push for that kicker job in Indianapolis. So he's definitely not a bad guy that to have on your practice squad, and you need a kicker on that practice squad right. anyway because McCourt not exactly a seasoned vet at the position. Um, a couple of things, a couple of positions that I think there's room to add. Defensive tackle, I think they definitely have to add there because after releasing Israel Antwine and um, Jay Tufeli and, and Malcolm Tufele Brown too, and, and getting rid of Malcolm Brown. Right now, the only true defensive tackle they have is Devon Hamilton. Mm -hmm. So there's room to add. They they need to add someone there, regardless of how you feel about nickel defenses and pass rushing sets. They have to have a backup for Devon. I know Foley Fatukasi could slide over, but then with an injury or if an injury happens, there's a whole lot of shuffling going on that you don't necessarily need. So I expect there to be a move there. Uh, running back, they got rid of Makai Sargent to get down to 53. So J-Rob's not 100%. Mm -hmm. uh, he's just not yet. So I expect that there's going to be that fourth running back specifically I think for that reason. I just, for, the, for, the, for the simple th fact of... Those two guys we're talking about as the number one and two guy, Both Travis Etienne, James Robinson, coming off major injuries. I mean, surgery injuries. Um, and James has been a little bit limited still. And um, it's sounding more and more like it's going to be a very slow progression for him. Very slow. And so. the hope was that he would be ready for the Commanders game I in think week one. Play. And I think he'll play that game. I think game. he'll play. But I but do I, think the, the carries will be limited that it, game for him. I mean, we're talking maybe single digits. Mm -hmm. Maybe single digits. And that's why, to me, I, I don't think you can go in my initial 53 projection. I had Makai making that as the fourth running back. And right. I do think, it, and I'm... You know, I've seen enough out of Snoop Connor. He's not a, a east to west guy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that's been pretty apparent. But he is that James Robinson style runner of hitting the hole hard and that north south runner. And I, I think he could be a, a serviceable fill in, uh, in in relief of James Robinson. I don't know if he is uh, a 15 carry a game guy. I think if uh, Snoop Connor's getting 15 carries a game, things are 
uh, things are not going well in Jacksonville. So right. I do think they need that guy. I like Makai Sargent in the preseason. I thought he was, uh, I thought he, again, he was another serviceable, ba serviceable back. Uh, I thought Rock Armstead's job was uh, out the window right. last week when he whiffed on the, the punt, uh, punt block. <laughs> well, he had lost that job before then because mm -hmm. the one thing when I looked at the depth chart for that game that jumped out to me was that Armstead had been moved from that third running back spot to the bottom of the list. And he had been in the three spot mm -hmm. almost the entire preseason. So he was one of the big moves there. So the other spot is wide receiver, obviously. I think right now they're only at five. So they'll probably get a sixth guy. They might hold only five. We'll have to see how the shuffles go. So let's go through a couple of the kind of notable cuts that I think would make sense. Um, I know a lot of people in Jags land are hoping for Raheem Blackshear. He's a running back, uh, spent preseason with the Buffalo Bills. I think Marlon Mack makes more sense. And the reason I think Marlon Mack makes more sense isn't because I necessarily think he's a better player, but I think, not, not I think, I know Press Taylor knows Marlon Mack because he was with the Colts last season, or he was with the Colts last year. Was Marlon Mack with the Colts last year? He was no. with the Colts he last was, year. Yeah, yeah, he was with the Colts. You're right. So, uh, yeah, Marlon Mack was on that offense with Press Taylor, so he has some firsthand knowledge and experience of what type of player uh, Mack can be or Mack is. So... That is something that I would, I would anticipate. The other guy that kind of makes sense for me is Alex Leatherwood. Um, he was released by the Raiders. He was one he of the worst first-round first picks. Is a bad pick. In that John Gruden, Mike Mayock, disastrous regime. But, I mean, floor of, floor of this guy, he was going in like the third round. And they wanted him to be a tackle. And in the, in the NFL, ultimately, he's probably a guard. But the one thing that the Jaguars' offensive line depth doesn't instill is confidence. So, I mean, you take a swing on this guy, Alex Leatherwood. Maybe he can come in and give you some reps as a backup guard. Right. Maybe he can't. Maybe he can. Could, could Alex Leatherwood conceivably be better than Will Richardson? Or Ben Barch. I think, I think. I mean, legitimately. I, think, so, I would think he would be a comparable at this point to a Ben Barch. So I think that's a conversation that's worth having. I, so he would be toward the top of my list. A um, couple of the wide receivers I know people are interested in. Preston Williams from Miami. Um, Tyler Johnson from Tampa Bay. Both teams kind of stacked there and guys have talent. We're able to do some things. It just didn't work out where they were at. One guy I really really like because I think speed kills and you can't teach speed is Devon Allen from from uh, Philadelphia. Right, okay. Because, you know, he's a track star, Olympic right. track runner by training. Right. Hadn't played football since 2016. Back on the field, able to do some things on special teams while he was relearning the position. I, I think he has more potential than Kevin Austin. I mean, yes. you know what I mean? So he I, has been, <laughs> that was not a surprise. But I, I remember after the draft, the buzz about Kevin Austin. Oh, people, people thought he was great. And, you know, he has the traits. He'll probably be back. Um, that is one thing that we kind of noticed walking around the locker room today. A lot of the players still, some of the guys that expected to be back still had things in their locker. Like Gregory Jr., for instance, had orange juice and a banana still sitting blatantly in his locker, kind of almost sadly, like he left it in a hurry. But those are guys that are expecting to return on the practice squad. Garrett Prince, Gregory Jr., uh, are just a couple of the guys whose names stand out to me right now that are expecting to be back here. You know, Mont, uh, Buster Brown. Buster Brown made the roster. Great, though. great. Yeah. You know, and when we're talking about those draft picks, you look at Buster and Gregory Jr., mm -hmm. you figured one of those guys would probably missed the roster yeah, and I think it was apparent especially in training camp seeing seeing that that the the discrepancy in talent between where Buster was and where Gregory was 
you know, coming from Wachita Baptist, was the, the chasm was so wide between those two guys. Just looked uh, overmatched. So wide. Just, just looked overmatched. Um, so, you know, I, I, the Jaguars have to feel pretty good about where their roster's at right now. I they, think so. You know, to. you're coming off of back-to-back number one picks. You know, people thinking, again, Doug has mentioned numerous times that this was not going to be a instant turnaround by any stretch. And I think fans in preseason, you know, the, the comments are – same song and dance, this team's going to suck, and it, it, it's the same thing. But you look at a roster that Urban Meyer, Trent Baalke constructed and how mm-hmm. deficient that was, and you look at what Doug is doing and, and Baalke and Ethan Wall are building here, and it feels different. It looks different. It feels like there's a method to this madness. There, it feels like there's, there's actually a, you know, a path that these guys are following to make this a serviceable NFL team, and it's mm-hmm. not overnight. And Doug has mentioned it after the Falcons game. He likes where that, likes where the starters are. He likes the the number ones on both sides of the ball. He likes where those guys are at. And I do too. I like the potential of this number one unit. Sure, there's holes. Sure, there's there's issues that are not going to be addressed until next offseason with the draft and stuff. But I do like, you know, with the exception of probably three positions of those number ones, I do like where they're at right now. You know, I'm glad you said, mentioned that Doug's mentioning of needing to, to set expectations properly for this right. roster. Because as we've kind of gone through this process, originally my bar was pretty low. And for some reason or another, that bar just feels like it keeps ticking up, ticking up, ticking up. And there's just little signs here or there for me that say, I feel like Doug feels better about this roster than he really is ready to let on. He could have started training camp a week earlier than he did. If he felt like this was a really bad team and they needed all the work they could get, he has those guys out there <laughs> yeah. in the heat sweating it out. That's true. He gave all the veteran players off for minicamp. If he really felt like this was a bad roster that needed all the work and help they could get, he's got those guys out there on the field working on the playbook and, and working through minicamp mini instead of giving them that time off. I, I, he understands, like, my biggest thing, the, the success of this team relies on two things, health, and Trevor Lawrence. Absolutely. But you can say that about the majority of rosters. Like, I mean, even the Kansas City Chiefs. If Patrick Mahomes goes down, just how good will that roster be? Better than the Jaguars. Th- they'll be better than the Jaguars. <laughs> better than the Jaguars. But th- th- they would still definitely struggle right. because it doesn't matter who the backup quarterback is. He's not Pat Mahomes. Right. So I feel like this roster is definitely relying on those two things. But... Uh, my expectations just keep ticking up, ticking up, just a little bit. Like, I'm not ready to say they're going to compete for a playoff spot. Yeah, I, But I just, I, I think in November, October, November, we're talking about at least being in the hunt. I do. I, I feel the same way. I said the other night when uh, I was talking about this on the Sunday Sports Zone that I don't think they're as bad as, as history, A, says, and – their recent, you know, their, their stretch under Shotgun. I do feel that Doug Peterson is a coach with a purpose. I think there are things in place. Um, you know, Doug was one of the first coaches when uh, we were talking about replacements and who would be a good Jaguars coach after they got rid of Urban. Doug Peterson was one of the guys I wrote about as being the guy. Now, when the Leftwich News and there were young offensive coordinators, I mean, bringing the team that, that Doug Peterson got shifted to the side. Uh, but I like Peterson. I think he's got a plan. I think he's got... Um, I think he's got the right. I like Mike Caldwell. I like his defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the progress. And I'm not going to say they're going to the playoffs this year. Contingent on health, I think it is so detrimental 
to a bad team or to a young and, and building team to stay healthy. And I know that sounds so basic and, and naive, but if you lose a Trevor Lawrence, if you lose, I mean, two big pieces on defense, this team is sunk. You right. just don't have that depth. You just don't. They that, haven't drafted well enough to right. build that depth right now. Their 22 can play. Their, their 22 starters can play in this league and play at a high level, but they don't have the guys to replace them. If Shaquille Griffin goes down, like how confident do you feel in Trey Herndon? Right. You know what I mean? And that's no shot at Trey. He's just he's just that level of player in the NFL. He's a guy who's been in the league for a while, and you kind of get the feeling of exactly what he is. Um, all right, so let, let's do a couple of things here because uh, we, we have a week until kickoff, so we'll talk a little bit more about week one on the next podcast. Uh, but let's talk about bars. So let's start with the defense because my bar for the defense is a lot higher than my bar for the offense. Absolutely. All right, if I told you right now that the Jaguars' defense finished in the top 10, would you believe me? No. Top 15. I would say top 17 is where I would put that defense at right now. I'm, I'm solid with that. I think with the talent on this roster, that defense has to finish in the top half of the league. I, I they, think so. They have to finish in the top half of the league with a possibility. I, I mean, if you wanted to say a top 10 defense, I'd give them a 20% shot at it. Uh, the, the, the tools are there, but you would need Arden Key, Trayvon Walker to both have, and Josh Allen, all three to have huge seasons for you. Uh, to, for you to really finish in that excellent right. one. Uh, but top half of the, de- of the league is, should be bar for that defense. All right, what about the offense? If I told you they finished in the top 15, how are you feeling? I would say you'd probably had a little too much to drink. <laughs> top 20. I would, eh, I would say top, again, I'm going to go a couple spots lower than that, top 22, top 23. I would say top 20 is probably the absolute ceiling for this offense right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to say 20 is the ceiling, but I don't think they're ready to go past 15. Uh, I'd give them maybe 17 on a good day. You know, uh, and, and in order to even get that high, you need Travis Etienne to be the guy. Right. And you'll need Trevor Lawrence to show he's that guy. Um, but, you know, the offense definitely has more work to do. But the prog- progress of the offense is fully on Trevor Lawrence. Yep. Which I think we saw that in the preseason. That we saw. The defense was several strides better than the offense. I mean, the offense moved the ball. They had drives that probably should have ended in touchdowns. They settled for field goals. But I like what the defense did. Really, with the exception of that lapse against the Browns uh, right before – or, I'm sorry, the Steelers right before half, mm-hmm. um, the defense, the starting defense, played well in, the, in really the games that it that – had its starters on the field. Right. Um, so I was more impressed with the defense. I think the defense is further along right now. That's why I, I give credit to Mike Caldwell, what he's done with that defense uh, just in a short period of time has made me a believer that this defense can, I, I don't think we're going to get too many games like we did last year against the Bills where they pitch a shutout and, you know, shut the offense out and surrender a field goal. Um, I don't think we'll get that, but I could see some 17 to 10 kind of games this year. I don't think the offense is just, I just don't think the offense is there yet. Well, we've seen that Trevor cannot turn the ball over. If you've got a defense that can keep in the game and Trevor in the offense is at least competent this year at picking up a few first downs to keep the defense rested. uh, All right, so let's go best case scenario here. All right, uh, let's say the defense finishes, what'd you give them? I said 17 for the defense. All right, so let's say 17 for the defense and let's say 20 for the offense. Where does that leave this team in the AFC South? Are they better than the Texans? 
I think they are. I think they're better than the Texans. Are they better than the Titans? Yeah, that's a that's tough because you got to win in Nashville, which the Jaguars can't do. Um, yeah. I, the Titans without Derrick Henry, maybe. But the I, Titans with Derrick Henry on one foot. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I, I I don't know if they're better than the Titans. I think I, I think they're still a year away from being able to win in Nashville and uh, and push for that upper crust. I think they're probably. Uh, they're probably a toss-up right now with the Colts. I think uh, Tennessee still, even though you it still has some, Tennessee is the favorite in the I, th- I think Tennessee is still. Oh, I was giving the Colts the favorite. Yeah, in the I don't. AFC I don't South. know. I'm not a believer okay. in Matt Ryan and and, <laughs> and the Colts. I I'm just not. So um, I think uh, I think Tennessee to me is still the dog to beat in the AFC South, and I would put Indianapolis at two, Jacksonville at at maybe a couple pegs down from Indianapolis, uh, three games back of Indianapolis kind of thing. I I think they're. Jacksonville's probably a clear number three starting the season in the AFC South. So here's, here's how I look at the AFC South. I think the Texans should be a non-factor this year because Urban Meyer's not here to mess that game up. So that, that takes two wins off That's the That's very true. So that makes them a non-factor. So then it becomes a three-team race in the, in the division. Uh, the Jaguars, of course, which we'll get to as we compare the other two. But I put the, te- the Titans at, as that number three team. All right, now. okay. Because I... I see Derrick Henry as an aging running back. He's got this injury. I'm not sure where he's at with it. But even if he is, now without A.J. Brown, I mean, this, this offense, they lost Jonu Smith the year before. Ryan Tannenhill was exposed in the playoffs. He does continue to just defy these odds and expectations of him. But uh, at some point, I just feel like the situation is going to catch up with this Titans team talent-wise, because they just keep defying expectations with the pieces that they put on the field, and then they lose guys. Right. There's no way they can keep just doing this. To me, so, it's, it's like the Rams. At some point, that bill is going to come due. At, at some at point, some the point, bill is going to come due, and I feel like it's now, because right now you've got to look at this roster and be like, who is Ryan Tannehill throwing the ball to? Like Traylon Burks. Okay, great, but he's been hurt. Like it, They don't even know if he's going to be ready to go for the season or what he is. He can't be A.J. Brown day one. He could. Although when I play with won't. play against Traylon Burks and Madden, he's an all-pro. There you go. So, all right. that's, well, that's, so it could happen. But they're, they're relying fully on Derrick Henry, who's an aging running back, that at some point is going to start to slow down. They've lost pieces all over that team. The defense shouldn't be what it is. They're knocking on the door of a rebuild. Can the Jaguars kick that door open for them? It's possible. It's very I, possible. I don't, I'm not a believer. I, I, I'm I don't not. know if we're there yet, but I think the Colts are in the driver's seat of this division, and... I'm with you. I'm not a believer of Matt Ryan and the Colts, which to me says there's a whole lot of questions about who could win this division. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's fair. I think the AFC South is is there for. I, I, I'm just not ready to to say the Jacksonville's ready. Got to win a few games first. You've got to. I think you've got to compete. I think you've got to win in Nashville. I think you got to win up in Indy. Um, I'm not really counting the Texans as a competent NFL team right now. Well, I didn't last year, and, um, and they they, they look like uh, they they looked like a world beater against the Jags. But I just am not there yet. Just probably because I've seen it too too many times. Uh, you go into Tennessee, you get hammered. You, mm-hmm. you you have Tennessee come here, you have them on the ropes, you can't close. Um, and again, I think that comes with experience. And I I'm interested to see how Jacksonville does against, like on the road against Indy and Matt Ryan. I, I, I'm interested to see how they play Derrick Henry and the Titans in Nashville, a place where they're historically just inept out there. And to win the AFC South, you've got to be able to win those games. Um, again, I think you win in Houston. 
I, I don't know if they're ready to contend yet. AFC South and win on the road in, in Indian and in Nashville. Well, well, we'll have to see how it comes together. At the very least, competitive as a, as a, as a move forward. I, I do. I think, they're, yeah. I think Jacksonville will surprise people this year. Knowing these 53 guys, the 53-man roster, pretty much uh, right down to the finish, you looked at this roster and you say, we're not, take, we're not factoring the injuries. This roster stays healthy through 17 games. What's your best-case scenario for the Jaguars roster right now as we know it? Best-case scenario for this roster as we know it. Um, best case, you, you take the division. That's, that's, that's absolute best case. Absolute best case, Trevor Lawrence takes a huge jump. At the end of the season, we're looking at him as a top, top 10 QB maybe. Okay. Top 10 QB in the league. That's best case now. Best case, Trevor Lawrence takes a huge jump. We're looking at him as the generational prospect that, that people thought he was again. And in order to do that, that means Christian Kirk had a huge year. Evan Ingram has a huge year. And the, the offense was clicking and rolling. Mm-hmm. Best okay. case. Uh, Tra- Trayvon Walker goes out there and is at least in the conversation for the Rookie of the Year award. Best case, he goes out there and has enough sacks that people are like, I see why he went number one. Yeah, okay. uh, Trent Baalke's a genius. <laughs> Trent Baalke masterclass out here, you know, handing out, telling people how to be a general manager. Best case, Josh Allen goes and has a bang-up season and everybody's like, get this man an extension. And the Jaguars are pushing for a playoff spot. They win the AFC South. I'm not convinced of teams that are built around running backs. Just don't believe in it. Okay. Jonathan Taylor, at some point, he's going to have an injury. He Can he have another year like he had last year? I don't know. And if he goes down, can you trust Matt Ryan to take over the show? When he had Julio Jones, you could. Right. But now he's got Michael Pittman Jr. Like. He, I'm sorry, Pittman Jr. is good, but he ain't Julio. Right. So just how good can Matt be if Jonathan Taylor goes down? How good can Ryan Tannenhill be if Derrick Henry goes down? I, so best case scenario for this team, I think they can win the AFC South. That's the best case. Okay. Realistically? Realistic maybe, scenario. What's your realistic scenario for this team? Realistically, they're probably competing for that second or third spot. I think, they, I think by the time you get to October... November, they're at least in the conversation. They're not eliminated from the wild card race, but they're a few games back. Uh, by the end of the year, I think they'd be one or t- I think realistically they're one- within one or two games of the second spot. So either they have it and they get it by one game, or they lose it and they're only one or two games behind. Okay, all right. I think realistically they're in. I, I think realistically this team is probably. A six to seven win team this year that gives them a three to four game improvement from last year. I mm-hmm. think coaching and the coaching staff is the biggest asset that this team has. And I know they've added pieces in free agency in the draft. I mean Trayvon Walker is going to going to significantly help. Christian Kirk, uh, Zay Jones. I think those guys significantly help. Um, they're thin though. They are very thin, very thin. at every position. Yes. Um, I, I don't think that's out of line saying that. I think no. this team is exceptionally thin and one injury has a potential to knock them off track. Um, so I think best case scenario, realistically, they're a seven and, and 10 team, possibly six and 11, seven and 10 team. Um, so that's my best case. I, I think, I, I just don't know if they're AFC South contenders at this point. Um, I still think to me, Tennessee is that team that's not going to 
give it up easily. I'm not as big of a believer in, in it at uh, Indy as I am uh, in Tennessee. I still think Tennessee holds on. I think Vrabel gets the guys right, and uh, they they have more one more hurrah at the top. And I think Jacksonville's next year is going to be that year they take that uh, that major step. And for me, the wild card is Trevor. I, last year, how much can I hold against Trevor or say what Trevor is? What is Trevor Lawrence? I don't know. I mean, just how much was he handcuffed by Daryl Bevel and Urban Meyer? Significantly. I think it was. He was significantly. But if Trevor is the quarterback that people think he was or think he is, if he is comparable to an Andrew Luck that dragged a gutted Colts team to the playoffs on his back, if he is comparable to what Joe Burrow was able to do last season with the Cincinnati Bengals, if he's going to be an upper echelon, a top 10 quarterback in this league, I mean, I, I, I don't even have to look at it and go player by player. Those Andrew Luck t- Colts teams were bad. <laughs> yes, they were. They were bad. I would say this roster is better than those, and those were playoff teams. Yeah, true. So, I mean, he, he didn't, you want to talk, like, we have questions about Trevor's offensive line. Poor Andrew Luck. Yeah. David Carr probably was like, I'm sorry, looking at his <laughs> offensive line. And you know Carr got beat up out of the league. Yes. Oh, my so, gosh. I mean, that, that's my question. Like, that's the wild card for me. If you start saying best case, well, best case, he's the guy that people thought he was that can do it, do it a little bit with his legs, extend the play, make this throw on a dime, and a guy make a play. I mean, all he needs to be an Andrew Luck is a T.Y. Hilton. Right. I mean, can, can Christian Kirk be what T.Y. was? Maybe. You know, I, I like the, you know, we've seen, I think I missed uh, two training camp days, and we've seen Trevor, and he looked very good more often than he looked average. Yes. Or he, he looked, he really didn't have a lot of bad days. Now, he did have uh, maybe one or two days out there where you said, okay, it's a little shaky offensive day for Trevor. And then you've had the national guys who have seen him, and they've come in and the analyzed him. They have been raving back. They have been really mm-hmm. positive about Trevor. So um, they talk about his vision and his football IQ, things that you didn't, you saw just almost a scratch on the surface of last year. You'd see that football IQ followed by absolute terrible plays and just trying to do too much, and that that was so much coaching. And I think the bad, the thing that you were hoping with Trevor that he wasn't so damaged last year by that mentally, you know, mm-hmm. a, like a, you know, guys, a, Jamarcus Russell, Andre Ware, David um, Carr, they, Sam Darnold, uh, you know, Tim Couch. I mean, guys mm-hmm. that were so beaten up um, physically, mentally after a bad stint, bad game, whatever the case may be, that they lost it permanently. They, they were never the same player. And I think with Trevor seeing him in camp and preseason games, that has absolutely not been the case. He has been conditioned. He's been steeled after last year, and I think you've seen that. You know, I think people jump to conclusions and say that he became a better person through this or he learned from that, but I truly think that Trevor Lawrence looked at last year and even said it early in camp that I want to prove to this franchise that there's a reason they drafted me number one. Yes. And I think he looked at last season, and it was such a bad it just a bad experience for him, and I think that made him hungry. I think that's an overused word in sports, hungry desire. But I do think that that helped Trevor Lawrence refocus and 
say, how do I become that better player? And not resting on his high school laurels or his college laurels, and he wants to become that next great player. And I think you've seen the national guys who are breaking Trevor down these last couple games on how much he's grown. And I do we saw that throughout camp, and I do think Trevor Lawrence is going to turn some heads this year. We're going to see that generational quarterback. Mm-hmm. And if Trevor can be that, that raises – uh, that raises the ceiling for this team. I mean, think about it. Because if you look at it and say, all right, well, Trevor's going to be the guy that people think he can be, then all of a sudden the offense becomes that good. I mean, at the end of the season, is it, do you think it, here, we'll throw out, I pulled up some rankings from, from online for the top quarterbacks in the league. So right now, the, the rankings that I'm looking at, these aren't mine, these are someone else's. They have Jalen Hurts as the, as the number 15 quarterback in the NFL right now. Trevor Lawrence has more arm talent than Jalen Hurts in his sleep. Right. So I'd say, all right, so that means that if Trevor has a good year, he could be top 15, right? I, okay. think, that's, I think that's fair, a fair assessment. I all think right. he's in that Kirk top Cousins 15. Kirk Cousins is 14. You think he could be better than Kirk Cousins? I think he's in that, in that conversation. All right, so then we got Kyler Murray and Derek Carr. I think Murray's pretty good. I think they got him ranked low here, but, I mean, Derek Carr. Derek is, Carr's an exceptional he's, quarterback. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. I mean, you got Matthew Stafford's number 10, though. Mm -hmm. So if you could get him as a top 15 quarterback, and we've seen what Kirk Cousins can do for a roster, mm -hmm. and we, I think we're pretty much in agreement here that Trevor, if, if he is who people think he can be or is, he's at floor, according to this list, number 14 in the league. Yeah, and I think that once you get to that, I mean, Derek Carr, I mean, I would gladly take Derek Carr here. Uh, Kyler, I would rather have Derek Carr than Kyler Murray. Um, Kirk Cousins, you'd want Trevor's ceiling to be a little higher than Kirk Cousins, but I do think if he could get... Well, I don't know if we're talking ceiling. I'm just talking after yeah. the season. Well, I think, I think if you were into that top cut of you're in the top 13 quarterbacks in the league conversation, you're, mm -hmm. up, I mean, you're getting up there with guys that playoffs last year, Derek Carr had a career year, and then you're getting mm -hmm. into that Matt Stafford won a Super Bowl last year. I mean, that is a pretty darn... That's a good... I mean, you go from Kirk Cousins at 14 to Matt Stafford at 10, that's a massive, massive leap. Yes. So if you're in between 10 and 14 as Trevor Lawrence, I think this is a successful year. And I do think Trevor can be in that area this year. And so that's why he's kind of the wild card for me is because those expectations are all over the place. We saw the lowest of lows with inconsistencies in coaching, a pretty bad roster around, and we saw how bad it can get. And even then, at times, you could see it. You saw a throw here. You saw a throw there. So now with a, a coach that understands how to coach a quarterback because he was a quarterback, an offensive staff that's built with this guy in mind, with former head coaches, offensive guy, quarterback gurus on the, on the roster, brought in a couple of wide receivers. If Trevor can take the jump and can get into this top 14. I think that's a that's a – fair assessment and yeah. I think it's a realistic goal to have because if you're taking that leap from I mean Trevor was 30 31 32 quarterback last mm, year yeah I mean that's that you were covering some ground this year from going up significantly you're jumping half the league right there that's a huge jump. and I do think that that's that's the Trevor Lawrence fans expected to get yes. and I do think that that's a Trevor Lawrence that Jacksonville will get and I do think, by the end of this year, I do think Trevor Lawrence is going to be in that cut above category 
where it's that 14, 15 quarterback. And if he gets there, you don't think they're competing for a playoff? They're, they're in the, at least the conversation for a playoff spot or the division? I, I think I still think next year is their year to, yeah, to make that leap. They're definitely a situation where they, yeah. they have to draft a wide receiver and next year can be the year. I, I just think Trevor is the is the elephant in the room that could change everything. Yeah, you're, you're right there. I do agree. I do agree that he is uh, the key to this. And if he gets hurt, like the injury yeah, last um, year, where, oh, yeah. where everybody held his their ankle was stepped on oh, and no. <laughs> he, he folded over very uncomfortably, I think that was, uh, if something like that happens this year where he misses more than just a few snaps, um, all bets are off because I don't have any faith in C.J. Beathard. Um, they'll probably bring Jake Luton back four or five more times this year. Um, and I don't have any faith that anybody outside of an elite-level quarterback could guide this team to um, you know, that seven-win mark. I, I don't think C.J. Beathard could come in here or Gardner Minshew or anybody else could come in here and pilot this roster to seven wins. I, I think Trevor is the key to everything Trevor, this year. Trevor's the one. All right, so uh, the Jaguars will kick off the regular season on September 11th, so we still have another week, which means you'll probably get another podcast between now and kickoff Sunday. Uh, so we'll sign off for now, and next week we'll be talking football and the kickoff of the season. We do have, you know, a cut day around the NFL. Were you were you surprised with any cuts today, Jack Jackson Hawes? Uh, I, I was surprised with LaCroix Treadwell. I, I thought was it would have made sense to keep him. I thought Israel Antoine would stick on the roster uh, because I, I and I think he'll be back on the practice squad. But I thought they'd keep him at defensive tackle. Um, Rudy Ford was a little bit of a surprise, but I know Ford was disgruntled on the roster and really wanted an opportunity to play defense and not just be a special teamer. Something that the team wasn't giving them or giving him. So uh, he was ready to move on, but that one was a little bit of a surprise as well. Uh, outside of that, yeah, I, I think th these cuts were pretty straightforward. I think they were pretty straightforward, I, and I agree with you. We talked about this before we came on, but I do think the, the surprise for me was Israel Antoine and Jay Tufele giving, again, and Malcolm Brown in the wave before that too. So you're getting rid of three defensive linemen. I thought Antoine had a, had a good camp. Um, I did in my 53, I projected LaVisca to make it if he wasn't traded and also right. Laquan to make it if uh, he wasn't released over Tim Jones. Well, uh, the but, hard thing with the defensive line was, I think going in, we all had this perception that that defensive line group was deep and had a very solid group of guys and that Jay was at the very least a solid player and then Malcolm Brown was a solid player. But we saw him could keep getting gashed mm -hmm. in preseason. As soon as that second unit would go in, gashed, gashed. And it happened, I was, up, I was in Atlanta for joint practices, and the second defense would go on the field, and they made um, Al Allison, the backup running back for the Falcons, look like Walter Payton. He was just running out there <laughs> through guys. And it was bad, and that's why they had to look at that and say, look, we got to get something here, because if Devon Hamilton, like Foley Fatoukasi's, battling an injury right now if one of those guys goes down can this guy come in and not just nuke our run defense right because we saw the second unit can't hold or wasn't able to hold up so we'll have to see i mean a, a danny shelton who was cut by the kansas city chiefs who the jaguars wanted before he signed with kansas city would be a guy that would make sense he's a very similar build to a devon hamilton and could come in and try and be that big uh, run stuffer for them in the second group. 
uh, while they try and develop an Israel Antoine and maybe even a J2 Fele on the practice squad. Yeah, that's true. Around the league, before we sign off, I want to go through some of the local guys who were cut oh, yeah. as well um, in these final roster cuts. A decent amount of local guys uh, still on NFL rosters and going to go through a, a few of these local guys. Clay High graduate offensive lineman Will Holden gone from the Giants today. He's been a kind of a mainstay in the league for a little bit of time. So Will is going. A little surprise, Jared Davis, uh, former first-round pick out of Camden County, released by the Lions. So he was a star at uh, Florida as well. Mm -hmm. So Jared was a first-round pick of the Lions uh, several years ago. He is gone from Detroit. So that was a little bit of a surprise there to see him. He was back with Detroit after leaving as a free agent. So uh, another guy, another local guy that um, we are having from the Brunswick or the, the Georgia area, Justin Coleman, a cornerback. Uh, he was waived as well today, a big, big free agent guy um, from Brunswick up there. David Sharp as well, a former Fletcher and Providence offensive lineman. He was gone, cut by the Ravens. Shamar Bridges, your uh, oh man, uh, yeah, Shamar Bridges ah. from uh, Potter's House. Uh, which doesn't even play football anymore. He was waived uh, by the Ravens, so Shamar had been hanging on uh, throughout camp. So he is gone, waived uh, via injury settlement there. Nathan Peterman, uh, former Bartram quarterback, had his uh, his contract terminated today. He is off. He's on the, the waiver wire now, so it's a little surprising. Nathan Peterman's still in the league, but he is, uh, he is still down there. And uh, a couple more, Willie Harvey, um, former Menendez guy, he was waived as well. Solomon Kinley, waived by the Dolphins, uh, mm. Reigns graduate. Uh, he is gone from the Dolphins, so a little bit of surprise there. Uh, he had been kind of a guy who'd been uh, a figure on the offensive line. Javon Wims, receiver from Ed White, also on the waiver wire today. So a lot of a uh, local flavor uh, moving on as well today, too. Maybe the Jaguars can add one of those guys to the roster or the practice squad. Uh, the first name that comes to mind that would make sense would be Solomon Kinley. Because, again, offensive line help is never easy to find. And Kinley was a guy yes. that competed for starting jobs down there in Miami. So uh, wouldn't be a bad ad. And that would not. Nice Between Alex home. Leatherwood, Solomon Kinley, I yeah. think there's some, uh, some, uh, some guys out there who could make a fit on that offensive line. So we'll have to see if uh, maybe the Jaguars can bring somebody home. Uh, but we'll let you know if that happens on the next News for Jags podcast. Uh, we'll see you next time. I'm Jamal St. Cyr. That's Justin Barney, and you can always find us over on newsforjacks.com.